Good to see you at church. Welcome if you're visiting with us. Okay, I'm going to turn to the Bible. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you're with us just now. We've just sung some songs about you, God, and we said how great you are. And God, that's an understatement. You're absolutely amazing. You're huge. You're incredible. And as Graham shared, you're worthy of our whole hearts. So God, we're asking you just now as we're in your presence that you would speak to us, that you'd reveal yourself to us. You'd take us deeper in you, God, that we would go on a journey today, a journey of encountering God. Reveal yourself, Father. Do miracles among us, I pray. Change lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, this famous sermon by Jesus Christ. And we've come to a bit now where Jesus is talking about the narrow path. Let me tell you a true story. In November 1975, there were 75 convicts started digging a secret tunnel designed to bring them up on the other side of the wall of Saltillo Prison in northern Mexico. On April 18th, 1976, guided by pure genius, they tunneled their way up into the nearby courtroom in which many of them had been sentenced in the first place. Surprisingly, the judges who were there sentenced them all back to jail and <laughs> back in jail again. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever done it. You've, you've gone down a particular route and you end up in the place that the least place you ended up wanting to end up in life. No one goes on a path wanting to take them to a negative place. I mean, no one in their right mind does that. We all go on journeys thinking it's going to take us to a better destination. But when it comes to the most important thing, the ultimate destination of life, where is our life heading? Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. The, way is, the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. We've got to get the balance right between talking about earthly stuff and heavenly stuff. It's important to talk about both. In fact, when you look at the life of Jesus, he spent a lot of time talking about earthly stuff and heavenly stuff. And as far as he was concerned, they were totally connected. Jesus would often talk about earthly things like money or like resolving conflict, and he would relate it to eternity. All of a sudden we realize, actually, you're not really fully living on earth unless you've got a strong eternal perspective. A strong eternal perspective will help you live fully every moment on earth for God and as a full human being. So we're going to be looking today at this huge theme of eternity. We're going to be looking at two ways, broad and narrow. We're going to be looking at two crowds, many and few. We're going to be looking at two destinations, life and destruction. We're going to be looking at two gates, wide and narrow. So first of all, there are two ways. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gates, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. And the way is small, and, sorry, the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. We're describing the broad way and the narrow way. The broad way is very common. The broad way is any opinion counts. Believe what you like. The broad way is anything goes as far as morality is concerned. If it feels good, do it. Like the humanist campaign uh, is the slide, the picture on the buses at the side of 
buses that was down in uh, London a year or so ago. The slogan was, there's probably no gods. Now stop worrying and and enjoy your life. In other words, that's the broad way. Live as you want. Do what you want. There's no God. You're not accountable. The broad way is no boundaries in thought or behavior. Now the reality is we understand that the easy options in life always lead you to negative situations. We understand that. Easy options lead you to bad destinations. So we understand, you know, how do you end up obese? Well, actually, just don't worry about what you eat. How do you end up unfit? Just do nothing. It's the easy option. How do you end up having your kids rebel? Just don't get involved in their life at all. How do you end up failing in business? Just chill out, just go with the flow. How do you drown? Well, you just stop paddling, stop trying to float. Just just go with it. (laughs) You know, how do you end up in jail? Just do what you feel towards others. You know, you think a thought, just follow through with it. You see, the easy option leads to negative situations in life. Now, we apply that earthly, but Jesus is saying the broad way leads to destruction eternally. Easy options are not good. As someone once said, follow, following the path of least resistance makes rivers and men crooked. Book of Proverbs 14 verse 12 describes the broad path and says this, there is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. So there's a broad way and there's the narrow way. The narrow way is restrictive. You, if, you, if you become an Olympic athlete like myself, you understand that you've got to live a restrictive life. You can't eat what you want. You can't go to bed when you want. You've got a strict schedule you live by. You've got a strict diet you've got to adhere to. You've got to have patterns in your life. Why? Because you've made a decision that you want to achieve a goal. You want to get to a destination, therefore you live a restricted life. You understand that? Rob Bell said, one yes may entail a thousand no's. You make a yes decision to one particular destination, you're going to have to say no to a whole lot of other things. When you get married, that one yes entails a thousand no's to others, to decisions, to other things that would try and encroach in your life. Your yes has restricted your life. The narrow way is involving living God's way. The narrow way has two hedges that confine it. The narrow way is hedged in by divine revelation, truth. You're not living by opinion, you're living by truth. The person on the narrow way submits fully in their heart to Scripture and says, God, your way is not what I think is more important. The narrow way sometimes goes against popular opinion. There was a man in the third century called Athanasius. Athanasius spent, here's his photo, he's a bit of a dude, you can agree. Uh, sorry, it's not his photo, just to be clear, it's a picture of him. Uh, we don't have a photo of him, it's third century. But stop asking these questions. Athanasius, uh, he was alive and for 45 years he was the bishop uh, in his particular region. For 17 years of the 45 years that he was bishop, he was in exile. In total, five times in his life he was exiled from his land. Why? Because he stood against popular opinion of his time. 80% of the bishops in his day believed an Arian heresy. They believed that Jesus wasn't God, that he was just a man. Very common, similar to Jehovah's Witness belief. And Athanasius stood against the Arian heresy 
And as a result, he was exiled five times in his life. He was arrested on numerous occasions in front of his congregation. He stood up for truth. One man went to him one day and says, listen, Athanasius, you're, you're, you're a bit radical. You need to chill out a wee bit. You need to calm down a wee bit. He says, do you not know that the whole world is against you, Athanasius? And Athanasius replied, then, Athanas- then Athanasius is against the world. You see, the narrow way sometimes will go against popular opinion. If you're going to go God's way in life, you might be ridiculed at work. You might be ridiculed at school. You might be, you, you might be ridiculed in your workplace or by your, even by your family. In fact, you likelihood you will be. Then we see there's two crowds. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. And the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, the broad way is busy. It's thronging. There are many people on that path. It's just living for self. It's living for pleasures. It's living, it's, it's kind of, if it feels good, do it mentality. Many people on that path. Many people want to fit in. Just go with the flow, blend, become like everyone else, yield to peer pressure. That's the, the broad way, and there's a big crowd on that, because a lot of people just want to fit in. There was a survey carried out by a psychologist, Ruth Brenda, who researched peer pressure and its effects on teenagers. And she got uh, 10 teenagers in a room, and she asked them, she showed them different lengths of lines, a series of pictures on the wall different lengths of line, and the teenagers had to vote on what one they thought was the longest line. Now, what one of them in the room didn't know was the other nine in the room were in on it. And they had all been told to, on most occasions, vote for the second longest line out of the series of lines they saw. Anyway, the the results were in, and it found that 75% of the time, the one went with the majority decision even when he or she didn't feel it was the right decision. Oh, everyone's voting that one. So even though I think it's that, I'll go for that. And how many times in life do we just blend in? Do we just go with the flow? That's the broad way and many people do that. Going with the flow, going with the culture. Only dead fish go with the flow. Conversely, the narrow way, there are few people on it. Narrow is talking about self-denial. It's talking about coming to God on his terms. Let me illustrate this for you. If I had this piece of paper and I made it into a cone, here's the broad bit at the top, here's the narrow bit at the bottom. When we tell people about God, it's very common to attract people to God by saying all the benefits. Come to God. He forgives all your sins. He gives you eternal life. He makes you happy provides for every, every needs. You have, you have joy in life. You have healing and miracles. Oh, it's great being God's. And we describe the broadness of the blessings, which are all accurate and all true. But when Jesus says, come to God, he described a very narrow entrance by which you enter into that broad life. Because the reality is, when many people see the narrow access that there is, there aren't many who agree to it because it's a tall order, it's a high bar. So Jesus says this, Matthew 16, verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, 
take up their cross and follow me. This is even before Jesus himself went to the cross. The disciples didn't fully understand he was going to go to the cross. So this was like Jesus describing a Roman form of execution to his disciples and saying, if you're going to follow me, now they didn't know he was going to be crucified, right? If you're going to follow me, those crucifixions that you see, you've got to literally do that to yourself and follow me. You've got to deny self. You've got to kill yourself. You've got to say, end of my old life. I'm no longer my own. I'm going to live for God, not my own ambitions, my own drives, my own, my own desires. My life's now God's. Now that's radical. That's narrow. Now does it lead to many benefits? You bet. Eternally and earthly. Jesus said, if anyone has given up all these things in this life, you'll receive back a hundred times more. Land, property, brothers, sisters, family, da 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 and in the age to come, eternal life. And you'll have persecutions as well. So he describes the broadness of the benefits, but he says the way you get to this, folks, is the cross. David Pawson put it this way. The gospel is free, but its annual subscription is everything. One day Jesus was approached. We see this recorded in Mark chapter 10. Approached by a rich young man. And he asked Jesus, as Jesus was Uh, starting on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him and said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I want to get to the right destination, Jesus. A few verses on, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for, rich, for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's so challenging, isn't it? Now, the reality is, that man could have just followed Jesus. He could have just, Jesus starts walking along the path, he could have just kind of walked after him. He could have followed him with his feet, but Jesus wasn't looking for him to follow him with his feet. He was looking for him to follow him with his heart. And Jesus understood that this man has a heart issue. That this man's heart is already following another God called money. This man's God was, he was pursuing wealth and the acquisition of wealth. That was his primary agenda in life. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to pursue that, then you can't pursue me as well. So you're going to dethrone that God and enthrone me. It's narrow. That's why there's few on it. There are two destinations. We often go on holiday up to Loch Tay. We're going up there next week for a short break in Easter. So we're looking forward to it. And on the way back from Loch Tay, we pass through Callander, <coughs> go on, onto the Perth Road, going through Stirling, then take the Edinburgh turning. Now, the problem is, and it's, it's weird, almost every time I forget the Edinburgh turning. And it's like, just when it goes three, two, one, I think, oh, the Edinburgh turning, and I'll take it. Every time I say, Angie, I nearly missed it there. Every time, we've been up there dozens of times. But every time I nearly miss it. In fact, one time I did. But the problem is when you miss that turning, you're on a road. And that road, you can't get off that road until you get to a particular destination. And folks, that destination is called Cumbernauld. Just take the turning, folks. Just take the turning. (laughs) Jesus said, 
enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. And the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Someone said, he who chooses the beginning of a road chooses the place it leads to. The broad road destination is called destruction. And this is shocking. And here's why it's shocking. Because God's the creator. He's the one who makes life. And yet the Bible reveals that the creator also is the destroyer. He destroys life. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. The the destruction destination is called in the Bible hell. And here's what the Bible says about it. It describes hell as the blackest darkness forever. Jude 1, 13, From whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. The blackest darkness forever. That's hell. Hell is a place of fire. Matthew 25, 41. Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It was designed for the devil and his angels. And yet human beings will suffer there for eternity in fire. Matthew 13, 42. They will throw them into the blazing fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And not only is it punishment, not only is it blackest darkness, but it's eternal. In Luke 16, verse 24, Jesus tells an account of a rich man and a man called Lazarus. The rich man dishonored God all his life. Lazarus honored God. The rich man went to hell and it says, in verse 24, the rich man speaking, I am in agony in this fire. He didn't die in that fire. He's there eternally. That was 2,000 years ago Jesus said that. I don't know how recently that man had died that Jesus was describing. But all I know is that 2,000 years on, he's still in that fire. And the agony hasn't abated any. And all I know is that 2 billion years from now, he'll still be in that fire. And the agony won't abate. Matthew 25, 46 says this. Then they will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. Eternal punishment. You see, folks, hell is as certain and as eternal as heaven. The broad roads literally is the suicide road. It's the craziest thing you could do in forever. Why do you think Jesus is telling us this? He's telling you this. If he didn't care where you went, he wouldn't tell you, right? I think God is broken about these realities. And he's wanting human beings to get it right. American's first missionary was a man called Adoniram Judson. This is the guy here. Adoniram Judson was an amazing man. He was very intellectual. He was very well educated. In fact, at a young age, he had learned scriptures. He'd learned the Bible. And he had actually rejected God 
And he decided that the Bible was unintelligent and that believing in God was an unintelligent thing to do. When he got to the right age, he went to the prestigious Provident College in Rhode Island. When he settled there, he became good friends with his roommate, Jacob Ames, who was also an atheist. And the two of them, Adoniram Judson and Jacob Ames, would go around campus terrorizing believers, finding people who believed in God and persuading them out of belief in God. And on many occasions, they were successful. The time for the studies came to the end. <clears throat> Jacob Ames and Adoniram Judson went their own way. Years later, Adoniram Judson was looking for work in the theater. And he traveled from Boston to New York City for an interview with a theater company. He went there on horseback and had his interview. And then on his way back from the interview, he was absolutely exhausted, having spent the whole day on the back of the horse. And he pulled into a, an inn that he was passing. And he said to the innkeeper, is it possible I, I stay in your inn? And the man said, I'm sorry, you can't stay here tonight. And Adoniram Judson said, listen, I, I can't go anywhere else. I'm absolutely exhausted. Just let me sleep in the hallway, just as long as I've got a roof over my head. And the innkeeper said, no, no, it's not that we don't have rooms. It's that there's a very, very sickly man in this hotel just now. And every night he's, he's in his pain and his agony, he's crying out profanities and cursing and swearing against God. You won't get any sleep in this hotel tonight. You don't want to stay here. Adoniram Judson said, listen, I don't mind. I'm just exhausted. I'll sleep anywhere. Just give me a room. So the innkeeper gave him a room. And that night as he lay there through the wall, he could hear this man next door cursing God and swearing and shouting profanities as he was in the agony death throes of life. In the morning, Adoniram Judson went out to check in and he said to the innkeeper, you're right, I didn't get a wink of sleep. I feel so sorry for that man next door. And the innkeeper said, yeah, that, that man died last night. And it's really sad because he was a very well-educated man. He studied at Provident College, Rhode Island, a man by the names of Jacob Ames. Adoniram Judson said, excuse me? He said, yeah, he's a man called Jacob Ames, very educated, went to Provident College, Rhode Island. Adoniram Judson paid the bill and he got on his horse. And he describes in his biography, he said, I started to ride, but I could not. The tears were running down my face as I was thinking of what had gone on in the room next door to me. And that, that was my roommate from college. Trying as I was to forget it, he said the hoofs of the horses were beating in the ground. Two words were beating into my heart. Death, hell, death, hell, death, hell. He said, I got to the side of the road, I fell down, and I made my peace with God. Judson went on to become a missionary in India and then in Burma. He translated the Bible into Burmese, and he and his wife translated the, the Bible into Thai language. These are realities that grip this man. That's the broad way that leads to destruction. But there's the narrow way that leads to life. And this destination called life is heaven. It's eternity. And the Bible describes it amazingly. And here's just some of the incredible descriptions the Bible gives us. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, you, you walk around this world, you say, isn't that beautiful, these trees? And look at those mountains and <clears throat> smell those smells in the, in the morning. And that feeling you get when you see the sunset and when you see the sunrise and what it's like looking over an ocean, all those emotions, all that richness on earth, that's all God's doing, right? I have to tell you that, that you haven't, you've seen great things, yet the Bible says when it comes to eternity, you haven't even begun to perceive how great it is. What you see around you 
is nothing in comparison. It's a mere glimmer in comparison to the marvel of eternity. Heaven is a place where there will be no more suffering. Revelation 21 verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and, the death, will, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Heaven's going to be a place where the stuff you didn't know will become clear. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 in the New Living Translation. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. And then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Questions are going to be answered in an instant. The two destinations. And then finally, there's two gates. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. He we see the wide gate and the narrow gate. The wide gate, you can take lots of people with you. You can carry lots of baggage. You don't have to leave any attitude behind. You can carry all your behaviors through. You can bring all your associates with you. It's broad, it's wide. It's easy to find and it's easy to enter. However, the narrow gate or the small gate is single file. You've got to check your baggage in at the door. Can't take anything with you. You can show others where it is and point others to it, but you can't take anyone with you. Nor can anyone take you with them. What's the narrow gate? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Notice the Bible doesn't say, you know, go on this road and choose which narrow gate you want. It's singular, the narrow gate. Singular, there's one gate. There's not many gates, there's one gate. Just one. He's called Jesus. Jesus said this, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. One way. Jesus Christ. Acts 4, verse 12 says the same thing. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is only one Savior. Now, how is that? Either that's true or that's arrogant. Either that's arrogant and bigoted and narrow-minded, or it's your lifeline and it's true. One or other, right? Mahatma Gandhi, the great Bible theologian, said this. A man who was, but this is a good bit he said. He said, a man who was completely innocent offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies, and became the ransom of the world. It was a perfect act. Notice what he said, the man who was completely innocent. So how is it that we can claim, how is it Jesus can claim that Jesus is the only way to the Father? How is it that he's the only name by which you can be saved? Well, Gandhi got it right. He was completely innocent. Unlike every other human being who's ever lived, Jesus was completely innocent. You see, if we're all in debt, we can't clear each other's debt, right? If you get someone who's a billionaire and has endless resource, you would agree they're the one that, and they alone are qualified to clear the debt. 
Well, Jesus, unlike us, wasn't bankrupt to sin. He had no sin in him. He was born without a sin nature by a virgin birth, not the product of two human beings inheriting sin. He didn't get that. He had a sin-free nature and by choice throughout his life, he didn't sin. Therefore, he alone qualifies to be the sin bearer on behalf of the whole world. Furthermore, he wasn't just a man, he was God in the flesh. This was God's rescuing us. He had to be a man to help us, but he had to be God to save us. So Jesus saves and he alone saves. Every other religious leader has been a sinner. Every other good person has not been good. Jesus is innocent and therefore dies in our place. At the entrance to this narrow gate, there is a rugged cross. And if you're going to go through this narrow gate, you've got to get on your knees before that cross and you've got to give up your life and say, I'm going to stop living for self. You've got to leave your sins behind. You've got to accept the Savior who died for you on that cross. And you've already entered the gate. He's alive. He's your Savior. Now, the narrow gate is inseparable from the narrow way. It's not that you say, okay, I'm going to make choice. I'm going to choose the broad way and the narrow gate. Can't do that. The narrow gate and the narrow way, they're inseparable. Now, the narrow way doesn't get you to heaven. The narrow gate gets you to heaven. Jesus. But you need to understand, if if you've really got Jesus, you can't say, I'm spending all my life on the broad way and just last minute I'll jump across and go through the narrow gate. Not what the Bible says. The Bible says the road leads in a direction. The broad way leads to destruction. The narrow way leads to life. You've got to walk with God. It's not the one-off prayer, getting you to heaven prayer. It's your life is God's. They're inseparable. The narrow way and the narrow gate are inseparable. And also the narrow gate is a command. It's not an option. Jesus said, let's read it again. Enter through the narrow gates. He didn't say, it's not an invitation even. It's not, would you please think about it? In the Greek language, enter is an imperative. It's a command. Enter. You need to. You understand the scale of what we're talking about here? You understand the magnitude of the the duration of what we're talking about here? You need to enter through this gate. No plan B. One saviour. You need him. Enter. It's a command. And then Jesus said this. The narrow gate and there's few that find it. That's gutting. That that appears in Luke's gospel as well, where a man asks Jesus this question about, you know, are there only going to be a few people getting there? Luke 13, 22 to 28. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? That's a huge question. And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Maybe they're the ones who were on the broad road and then tried to jump across at the last minute. They will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you will begin to stand outside and knock and saying, Lord, open to us. Then I will answer, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, you all workers of evil. 
in, a, in, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, many spend their time asking questions like, if God is so good, you know, how can there be a hell? And if, if what about people in, in places where they've never heard about Jesus, if Jesus is the only Savior, what about people who, who've never heard about Jesus? How will they get to heaven? You know, that's unjust. And we, could, we have these conjectures, how many people will get to heaven? Will, is that fair and all that? Notice, Jesus doesn't answer his question. The question was, how many are going to get there, Jesus? Is it going to be few? Jesus didn't answer his question. But rather, he asked him a question. What about you? The issue isn't the questions we've got, because actually God chose not to answer the question. Jesus' agenda was this. Stop asking questions about others. What about you? Sure, someone in some tribe nowhere who hasn't heard about Jesus. Listen, God's just. God is totally, I mean completely just and fair and loving. Don't worry about that. But what about you? You have heard. You're hearing. Jesus uses this word, okay, you've asked the question, but sir, let me put it this way. You need to strive to enter the narrow gate. And he used this word strive, and it's the Greek words agonize, from which we get the English word to agonize. It means to contend for a prize, to struggle, to agonize over. It indicates conscious, purposeful, intense effort. The NIV translates it, make every every effort to enter through the narrow door. Weymouth New Testament puts it this way, strain every nerve to force your way through the narrow gate. The Amplified Translation says, strive to enter by the narrow door, force yourself through it. So you got all these questions, big question mark, huge question marks, good valid questions, but God didn't answer the question, he just said, what about you? You strive to enter it. So folks, every time you cross a threshold, you open a door. Every time you put your hand on a door handle, can you remember this challenge? Every time you open a door, strive to enter the narrow door. I'm going to walk God's way. I'm going to live for God. Every time you go through a door, remind yourself what Jesus said. See, the big question is this. Does God want many people on the narrow path? Absolutely, yes. It says in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 to 4, God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know what? I have an agenda in life. I want to get to heaven. And it's, the good thing is, even though I desire that intensely, I know I can't do that myself. So I trust him. I can't save myself. I can't be good enough for that. I trust Jesus. Because he died and rose again for me. But here's my other agenda. I want to bring as many people to heaven with me as possible. I want to tell as many people as possible about the Savior. And please make that your agenda too. And I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. Some of you are evangelists. Some of you are not. But make it your agenda in life to tell as many people as possible about the God who loves them so much in order that he desires them to be saved. The reason Jesus has put this challenge here is because he doesn't want people to be on the broad road. That's the point. Warning signs are there so people don't go to the place, right? And the big challenge is, if there's a God of love 
how could he allow such a thing as hell? And I understand the dilemma. But all I know is this. God is totally a God of love. And hell is a reality. I've got to accept both because the Bible presents both. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Bible fully acknowledges that perishing is a reality and it's eternal. But it also fully acknowledges that God in his love and because of his love for the world that has rejected him has done something so that human beings don't need to go there. So folks, there are two ways, broad and narrow. There's two crowds, many and few. There's two destinations, life and destruction. And there's two gates, wide and narrow. He's called Jesus. God, I want to thank you so much that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son. Your desire has always been to save. I thank you that you desire all men to get saved. You desire every one of our family members. You desire every person in this auditorium. You desire every person in this city, every person in this nation. In your sight, not one of them is insignificant. You've loved them from the moment they were conceived. And God, I want to thank you for the huge provision you've made so that all people can be saved. I, I ask God for the people here in this room, I pray. God, let us be on the narrow path going through the narrow gate. And God, let us point others to the narrow path and the narrow gate. Really, there couldn't be much more important than that in the scheme of things. Okay, just in God's presence just now, why don't you just respond? It might be your response is, I need to get in the narrow path. You call yourself a Christian, but you've been living the broad way. You say Jesus is your savior, but your life denies that. Maybe some of you, your response is deep gratitude. Not out of pride thinking I've got it good enough here, but because you know you're living for Jesus and he's your saviour maybe some of you there's grief and you're, you're heartbroken for your friends and family the challenge is we've got to be heartbroken not just for our friends and family but for also for the strangers who mean nothing to us because they mean something to God Why don't you pray for folks, people you know? 
And there are some here maybe and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You know, you were born to live for God. Make that decision today. So just pray your response back to God, whoever you are in whatever situation you find yourself in. If you're here today and you're saying, Peter, I need Jesus in my life. I want to commit my life to him and I'm willing to walk the narrow way. Then I'm going to help you do that in a moment. If you're here today and you've been walking the broad way and you know you've been living a life that's deliberately dishonoring to God, even though you maybe at some point in the past you made some form of commitment to Jesus then right now I'm going to help you as well to come to him so if you're in either of those two categories my invitation but God's command to you is this enter the narrow gate and I invite you just to do it just now just by simply praying this prayer with me and let this be your heart's cry to God I'll pray one line at a time you repeat it after me just under your breath Dear Lord God, thank you so much you're a God of great love. Thank you so much that you want me saved. Thank you, God, you want me to make it into life. And thank you, God, because you wanted that, you sent your son and Jesus died in my place on the cross, taking my sin, taking my punishment again in the third day and today I believe that with all my heart and I entrust my life to you Lord Jesus be my saviour and I commit myself Lord to being your follower for the rest of my life Jesus be the Lord of my life take first place from this day forward thanks for hearing my prayer and for accepting me today as your child Amen if anyone made that decision today I believe God heard you I'd love the privilege of praying for you whether you're in the category of those who had made that decision at one point in the past, but you ain't been living it. Or whether that was the first time you made that decision. I'd love the privilege of praying for you, just in order to know who I'm praying for. Can you just put your hand up while everyone else is praying, everyone else's eyes are closed. Just you put your hand up nice and clear so I can see it. You prayed that prayer, you made that commitment. Just put your hand up just now, and I'm going to pray for you in a moment, just where you're sitting. Is anyone like that today?
pray for this dear person and any others who prayed that prayer, I pray this would be the beginning of life for them. This would literally be the lifeline they've been looking for, God, that you would empower them now to live for you and to get baptized and to live this life for the honor and glory of God for the rest of their life. Thank you, you accept them and you save them today. In Jesus' name. Yaki, Yaki, do you want to come down here? Yaki, give us a wave. Yaki uh, and a few others are going to be over here. If you made that commitment today, person put their hands up, but anyone else here who made that commitment, uh, and whether you put your hand up or not, go forward to Yaki. Uh, he'll be available at the end when there's opportunity for other people to be prayed for. People will be coming forward for all sorts of things. If you want it specifically, you made that commitment. Go speak to Yaki at the ends. He's got a booklet he wants to give you, and he'd like to pray with you again. Let's stand, let's worship God.